2: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over Mac McClung's electric performance in the dunk contest before pivoting to the listener mailbag. Going over questions about whether the Sixers focus too heavily on the backup center spot in the buyout market Who the Sixers should prioritize and bring back this summer out of Shake Milton, George Niang, and Jalen McDaniels? What the ideal playoff bracket would be for the Philadelphia 76ers? Whether Tyrese Maxey should continue coming off of the bench, and more. If you'd like to submit a question to a future mailbag, send an email to mailbag at sixersbeat.com. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner joined by Rich Hoffman on a Sixers beat a part of the athletics podcast network We are now the home. We are now officially a Mac McClung podcast. He came out there and dazzled and I don't even mean that with the slightest bit of sarcasm That was legitimately cool to see a guy who a week ago was a G League player I think he had played like what four games in the NBA spot minutes To have Giannis just completely in awe must have been the... It must have been the moment of his basketball career. It really must have.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think anybody who knew who Mac was before this, he was... At the time, in high school, he was a high school YouTube sensation. He threw down these dunks. He played at a small high school in southwestern Virginia. Probably not the greatest high school competition in the world. But he blew up online because here is this six foot one, six foot two white kid just throwing down these insane dunks, insanity. Um, and at the time, there really were kind of two people who were the king of the high school mixtapes. It was him and Zion Williamson. Zion a little bit better, a little different, yeah, a little more prolific of a career moving, uh, moving forward. But I, I guess that's what makes Mac cool and I you know we, we mentioned it last time Zion doesn't do the dunk dunk contest I mean in fairness he's always hurt LeBron doesn't do the dunk contest so I guess it's cool that you have a guy like Mac who you know is trying to eke out an NBA career who sh- might as I wrote in my story might have to go to Europe at some point because if he's not going to get a guaranteed NBA contract they're going to pay him more money to play in those top leagues in yep. Europe China wherever a lot more money in fact uh, for him to stay, decide to stay over this year, which was not an easy choice for him. And it, it, it was crazy. I mean, he completely took it over. I'm like the most jaded dunk contest person in the world. That was, there was, was not one person who wasn't enthralled by that. No, it, it was amazing. Last
1: podcast, I made a joke like, what, Max not bringing the same kind of juice that LeBron would? Um, he brought a lot of juice. It might have been unexpected, but it was a cool story. It was a great event. Uh, and even for a jaded, carmudgeony basketball writer, that was really cool to watch. His really his cool first
0: dunk where he he jumps over the two
1: dudes. Is that where he tapped the backboard.
0: Yeah, and I, I honestly I thought it was amazing when I first saw it, but I did he not see down. that yeah. he yeah. tapped the backboard. Like the the camera was behind him, and I guess his head got in the way, where I couldn't see that's what he did. I thought he just kind of went to throw it down. Then when I saw the replay, I. I mean, I made a, a very loud noise. Wow. Holy. Uh, I mean,
1: he legitimately almost hit his head on the rim and he's six foot two. It was it was crazy. It was crazy to see. And
0: uh, yeah. And then the rest of his dunks, you know, I, I saw some people say that he threw down three out of four dunks that we've never seen before. I, I do not track the dunk contest to that level. So I, I do not profess to have the uh, official institutional knowledge of, of dunk contest pass. But uh yeah it, it was really cool. He uh you know what I mean the, the other cool thing about it is pretty much everybody besides Sims I thought were really good dunkers. Like I thought Trey Murphy would have won a lot of years but unfortunately for him Mac was a, a very clear winner. Uh and I will say like part of the reason he gets the advantage is he's shorter than those guys yeah. and it looks cooler when his head is at the rim. It's uh I mean yeah he's just a nuclear vertical athlete that was and a very, I would say, I, I thought he was going to be good in the dunk contest when, especially when I wrote that story, that was an unexpected treat. He, he was not just good. He was like, that, that's pretty close to an all-time dunk contest performance. And like you said, for somebody of his stature, somebody who is just grinding really hard to just try and get into the NBA, it, it's really, it's, it's impossible not to feel great for that guy.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I think you could misinterpret that and say like, oh, well he, he, you know, maybe people wanted to vote for him because it is a great story because it was a shield. No, I think he had the best dunks of the night. No, he, he earned that every bit of that. And that's what makes the story even better.
0: Who, who was the great, it was a, a couple years ago. It was Gordon against Levine. Was that who it was? That was like a, a really great yeah. modern dunk contest. This was up there with that. Like he was, you could make him any NBA player possible sw- switch their bodies with him just if they're pulling off those dunks at that size yeah i i think they're winning you know and yeah i, I get it he was the best story out of all of those guys all of those other guys are solidified nba players you know we saw and very good dunkers we saw kj martin because of the Sixers' transition defense you know put his head up near the rim a couple times at the wells fargo center last week as well he he was awesome, and it was it was really cool to see. And I thought he was the clear winner. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I really have. I mean, I, I guess I should say, as the basketball curmudgeon, he gave me more joy, and I think he gave a lot of people more joy yep. on All Star Weekend than they really thought they were going to get. Yeah, so that's yeah. awesome. Yep,
1: not an event, not a weekend. To be honest, I didn't even watch it live last night. I had family and stuff to get to, but I got a lot of texts like, "Hey, you've got you've got to see Mac." Uh, so I went back this morning. Watched the event. It was way more. Way more entertainment than I expected to be getting. Way more. And I'm very happy for that. Very happy to be surprised. All right. I guess we can switch to. We're going to keep this podcast mostly brief. In part because we just did one two days ago. So we're going to dive into the listener mailbag. We will start off here uh, from Jim Malloy. And this sort of like touches on what a topic was last week that we're, or last podcast that we're talking about. You have 100 basketballs to spend. How do you divide them between Harold, Bebo Paul and Dwayne Denman for who gets the backup five minutes in the playoffs, not for the rest of the season for the playoffs?
0: I guess I kind of a little bit reject the question. I don't reject the, the use of the turkeys and the basketball birds of friends. Shout out to them. And I, and I like the premise. I, I want to put I, Tucker in the mix. I want to put Tucker in the yeah. mix as well. And let's do that.
1: If I were doing it, Let's say, because we're really only talking eight to ten minutes per game. Maybe maybe another couple minutes once a, a series when Joel gets in foul trouble. But we're talking eight to ten minutes a game. And I'm gonna
0: assume, just for the sake of this exercise, that they're gonna play four rounds and they're gonna play four different teams. With that would be fun for everybody. Is that I a know. Prediction? No, it's not. <laughs> but I I think if we're if we're talking about eight minute segments in one series and then a gentleman sweep by the other team, then, you know, it, it might not play out the same way. If they do go four rounds, my guess would be something like Tucker 50. Yeah. Yeah. Tucker 50 percent. Reed 40 percent. Deadman 10 percent. I guess. I hope, is you're how right.
1: I I really hope you're right. I really hope you're
0: right. I would like that's that. That's how I would do
1: it. How do you think they will?
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's going to be different.
1: Uh <laughs> You know what, though, could you he, see? Now, to, to be fair, his question was, "How would you?" So that, that, yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah.
0: And the way I would explain that is, I think Tucker is going to be the most high leverage matchups. But you know, there there could be times when maybe in the opening series where you just need a little more defense, and you need B-ball Paul in there. He did pretty well in last season's playoffs. Uh, but the more I think about it, yeah, it doesn't seem that realistic. If they're going to go small, I feel like they're going to end up settling on Tucker. And then I just have the 10% for Deadman where they're playing Brooke Lopez or Jokic or something. I mean, somebody, you know, somebody that's big and, and you got to throw him in there. If I had to guess what they do, I think it's going to be a lot of Tucker.
1: I, I do. I know I know they haven't really gone to it that much this season. I, I just... Before the season, I would have said a lot of Tucker. I don't know what to make of the fact that Doc doesn't use it in the regular season because it does sort of seem like something where even though Tucker's played with, you know, played with Harden and played some small ball center, it just feels like something you'd want to pull out every now and then. And they really haven't outside of early in the season. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if he was so scarred from the rebounding problems and whatnot that he's gone away from it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um... Now they should be a better rebounding team. Now I think McDaniel's can help with some of those lineups. Yeah, we mentioned. But that. it's a great question.
0: I, I what they're actually going to do? I I don't know. I could see arguments for for all of them. I mean, I think this as much as Doc has played him during the regular season, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Harrell in the playoffs. I I don't. I I don't. I I wish I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I, I don't think we're seeing that.
1: I wish I had your level of optimism. I would say <laughs> I I rank Carol as who I want on there the least. Sure. So I, I, I wish I had your level of optimism. I think my preferences would be sort of similar to what you said, where it's, you know, Tucker, small ball, read more conventional. Oh, calling Reed conventional in any sense of the word is weird, but it's like half halfway conventional. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, Deadman matchup dependent. Like, I think that's what I would like to see. My concern is that Doc places such an emphasis on rebounding that Deadman, it ends up being like a 50-50 split with Tucker. Maybe even more Deadman than Tucker. And Reed gets relegated and Harrell in a minor win gets relegated too. So I would say like, what I would do is probably similar to you where it's like 50% Tucker, 40% Reed, 10% Deadman. I have a concern it's going to be like 40% Forty percent Deadman, thirty percent Tucker, and then you know. Although I don't think I don't think Doc wants to use three backup bigs regularly, so maybe it's just split Deadman and Tucker. I don't know. I don't know. I think
0: you're right in that when Doc is going to make the wrong answer, I think it's going to be with Deadman, yeah, over over Harold because I don't know. I I just feel Harold is kind of in the uh, he's in the DeAndre category where we've seen too many you bad just can't yeah. from him and. Say what you want about Doc, because he handled it, and you can say a lot, because the way he handled basically this last 25-game stretch last season was a disaster, because DeAndre was playing every night, and then it's oh, Paul Reed, by the way, most important game of the season, game one, you're uh, you're in, so good for you, and it's like, that's not the way you should be going about yeah. this. Now, Paul made it a little bit of a moot point, because he was pretty good, and he held up, so he, in a... In a bit of irony, he did dock a solid there uh, from not having that completely blow up in his face. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of think Harold is in that version. Now, Deadman, yeah, it, I think it could be, yeah, 50-50 with him and Tucker, and then Reed finds his way out. I like that. We'll see. I don't, we'll see. I don't like that. I, I like that. You like the answer. I like the answer. That yeah. seems feasible. But I think we're going to start to see it pretty soon here. Like, is he going to play Deadman? After yeah. after the all star break here, I think that's going to at least lend to your thinking a little bit. And Reed, you know, I, I think it's it's especially that case because the whole season it's been okay when Reed and Trez are playing poorly or bad, we're going to switch them in and out. I, I would argue it's like when the team is playing poorly because Trez has played poorly while the team kept winning, and so he didn't get switched out for that. That has changed in recent weeks. Now Reed is playing well and the team is playing well. If you if you put Deadman in, I think that. Shows a sign of intention that you are going to play him in the playoffs.
1: All right. I don't, I don't think
0: Paul has lost a spot in the past couple of weeks. That's all.
1: No, I don't think he's done anything to lose a spot.
0: Yes. He's playing okay. well.
1: I just think Doc has never trusted him. Uh, Fair. This one from uh, Phyllis Sports. Heading in the second half, what are the Sixers' biggest question marks, and what's it going to take to be a legit contender?
0: Uh Biggest question mark. I mean, I I think some of it is what we've talked about in recent weeks. Like, what's their effort level like? What's their their focus like? Uh, I I would say one thing on this, just because Joel talking about his foot is fresh in my mind. Yeah. To me, it's less about kind of them and just how do they handle this stretch? Like, how do they approach it? How often is Joel sitting? How often is James sitting? How often is PJ sitting? Uh, This schedule coming up in March is brutal. And I think there might be two or three games that they just light on fire. And I, I would not completely argue with that. How much does playoff seeding really, really matter? I think if you get the one seed, you'd rather do it. Uh, Boston and Milwaukee, in my opinion, are the two best teams in the league. You would only have to play one of them. In that case, we know the Sixers have not always taken that one seed path perfectly. But all things being equal, it just I kind of think it's, it's going to be hard to beat those teams considering how hard the schedule is. At this point, it's just kind of how do they handle it? You know, how does, uh, how do they deal with the increased competition? Because look, they've been playing some bad teams over the past couple of months. And I don't want to say it's been like a Charmin soft schedule, but it's been easy as far as things go. So that's more my my question, because I I think most of the questions that they have to answer are going to be answered in the playoffs. Like, how good is Harden going to be against a switching defense? Can it be? not break his face in the opening two rounds, things like that. Um, and that's going to determine what's going to constitute a championship contender.
1: Yeah. Yep. That, and, and, and like so much of it is just how much of these attention to detail effort things go away in the playoffs. Does James continue to look good like he did in recent weeks in terms of his burst and can they defend the perimeter? Um, and then along with Joel's health and everything that you mentioned, I don't know. It's, it's a weird team. On the one hand, like I am more confident in this team offensively than I have been at any point during the Joel Embiid era, assuming he doesn't break his face. I
0: don't think it's close either.
1: So. No, I don't think it's it's close either. It's just it's strange to have these sort of defensive concerns. Uh, but I do think some of them can go away a little bit when uh when they actually have to care night in night out. But then you've still got the questions with the coach, which we just sort of like talked about with the opening. Question.
0: Those are baked in. We'll see.
1: People we'll see. think I'm a doc
0: apologist. Not not in the playoffs. Not in the playoffs. No, that's it is. Gotta, uh, that's, that's where he's got to earn his keep.
1: Yeah. There's just some segment of Sixers Twitter that wants you to pretend that every single problem about the team and the only thing that should be discussed is doc. And if you're not doing that, then you're a doc apologist. Uh, but Sixers Twitter, Sixers Reddit, pretty much every online community tends to get like that, uh, singularly focused.
0: What do you, what do you but, think of Embiid after those comments? Because I, I guess here's, my thinking on this just because I don't know, I've had less to think about over the past couple days. So this has been brought up to me um, Embiid and beat in the MVP. I think he's going to have to play close to every game to even be eligible for the MVP. Yeah.
1: Now, and, I will say, I think there's enough separation where it really is. I think at this point, a two horse race between Jokic and Embiid once again, I don't, th- I don't think Voodoo. so. Did you see Bontemps's straw poll? No, well, that's fair, because they've won, what, like 11 in a row? Yeah. That's fair. That's a, th- a three-person race. And you can throw Tatum there, because people love to vote for the best player on the best team. That's fair. That's fair. I, here is my point,
0: point. Um, and I'll say it right now for that straw poll. I voted Joel Embiid as the uh, as the MVP in that one. I was only one of six people to do it, though. So I, I guess my point is just like looking at the way this is going, I think it's going to be hard for him to win. Cause whoever the hell Bontemps hits up, that tends to be pretty accurate, at least in the past couple of years. Like when it's Jokic has been the person who has been voted for and Jokic tends to win. So does he care that much about it? If that seems relatively out of reach. And I, I think Joel has had an MVP level season. Um, Jokic, unfortunately, is also playing awesome. So I, I see the argument for him too. Uh, Basically, my point is though, he's talking about, The doctor said he should get two weeks of rest. And this month of March is not like uh, the perfect antidote for a sore foot. I would put it that way.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. You can only miss so many games. Uh, All right, let's see uh, where we at. This one from Sean O'Connor, not our former colleague at LB, but a different Sean O'Connor. Can we end the Tyrese off the bench experiment? Our best starting five has him in there, and he seems to be having a hard time acclimating
0: it's a fair question. I I have a question for you cuz I was looking at these lineups over the past couple of days. What what do you make of the defense being a lot worse with the Melton lineup in there?
1: Yeah, it's a good good question. You know, I think part of it is that cuz what the 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 lineup with Tyrese probably doesn't have very many very many possessions, right? It's still pretty low minutes wise yeah, it's in like I don't have
0: him in front of me three. so the the Melton lineup has played eight hundred and sixty possessions. That's getting up to pretty good sample. Maxi's only at three forty five. so still pretty similar yeah. There.
1: I would say the Maxi sample is they're probably a little worse defensively, and there's some luck baked into that. And I think Melton just doesn't have quite as much defensive impact, maybe in that group because I think while he's a much better team defender, I think he can still be run off of screens. I think he's still a little short for his position. They're still a weird combination of short on the perimeter and slow in the front court. I think Melton probably hasn't quite, hasn't had quite the defensive impact as we would have predicted. And I think those maxi numbers are probably a little small sample size still.
0: I mean, it's, it's weird that (laughs) I think this goes to show these two lineups goes, go to show that the five man unit numbers over, you know, two thirds of a season sample size.
1: Yeah. What? I think people weigh, I think people rely on, on these on off numbers a little too much, which is weird because I feel like you and I were, were pretty early adopters. But I think there's not enough attention being paid to what's a meaningful sample. Like yeah. there's a lot of these things that you look at and you go, that's interesting. But there's way fewer of these line combinations where you go, that's proof. And I think people more go towards the here's proof way of talking about it and not the this is interesting why way of talking about it.
0: And I'm going to give you a couple of examples here, where the Melton lineup is still better offensively. By the way, the Melton lineup is good. It's just that the the Maxi lineup has been very good in the the small sample, and that and when I mean very good, like typical Sixers MB starting lineup level, I, I guess. Which the the thing that I don't completely understand is that when you 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 look at the the difference between the Melton lineup and the maxi lineup, the maxi lineup is rebounding way better than the, uh, than the Melton lineup is. That doesn't make any sense. The <laughs> Anthony Melton is an excellent guard rebounder and maxi is not. Uh, right. so, and, and I know that the the shooting is probably the biggest aspect of it. And there's probably, you know, some fluky three point shooting. We can look that up in a second here.
1: And a lot of times, when we talk about small sample and don't use these numbers as proof, a lot of times it does come down to shooting. Um, we can talk about that in a million different ways, from comebacks, which I just wrote about today, to these kind of metrics. The shooting means that I think you got to get a little more sample than maybe you were accustomed to in the past.
0: Yeah, and like the fact that the Melton lineup is better offensively, that doesn't make any sense to me either. Tyrese Maxey's a way better offensive player than Anthony Melton is, so. I don't uh completely understand it they uh i think when you look at uh you know maxi versus melton yeah i don't know their three point percentage pretty similar i think they're you know they're making a few more corner threes with uh on on the melton lineup but shooting way better from kind of short mid range as well i don't i don't know i so the the other part of the initial question is Maxi seemingly struggling and I think we've seen that pretty plainly right when he came out and said you know I had to call my parents and you know I've been struggling and you know, I had to call John Calipari all of those things and that's uh you know even though we mentioned you know he's a fantastic kid and always happy-go-lucky it is a reminder that I think coming off the bench is both A physical adjustment and a little bit of an ego check for these guys, regardless. Uh, So I don't actually know what the right answer is. Because here's the other problem, too. It's basically what we talked about last game. They keep winning. So I I don't
1: know what to do. (laughs) That being said, they were winning when they put Melton in the starting lineup. They were. uh, To begin with. Yeah. I think where I stand, and look, I I have pretty big concerns over Harden and Maxine backcourt defensively. We talked about in the preseason. Certainly, those concerns weren't diminished by what happened to start the season. You've got to find a way to make this work long-term between Harden and Maxi, And I think I sort of stand on the, well, if it's got to change eventually, like I don't think Maxie's is going to spend the next four years coming off the bench. We might as well just put it in there now and get back to it. I think, uh, I think I've think i sort of come back to that. I think the Melton change was an interesting experiment just to see if it could shore up the defense for this stretch one and you sort of deal with the long-term later. And to be honest, like I might still give it another month or so and see what happens see if if you know get a little more sample to see how that lineup looks. I'm not 100% against giving it a little more leeway or giving it a little more time. I am a little bit surprised that it hasn't uh hasn't been better and I think it's certainly worth noting. I think that the like I other, said, I think the bottom line is eventually maxi has got to get back into that starting lineup anyway.
0: Agreed. And if you're going to play that group in the playoffs, the more you talk about it, I think you probably should make that switch back pretty soon. I don't know. Give give Melton a couple of days off due to a you know, just say back tightness or whatever he's been dealing with all year. Maybe Maxi scores twenty five in the first game with the starting lineup am say, like, Oh, we gotta keep riding the hot hand. We're we're rolling with our second of three starting lineups. I do you think we'll ever find out what the third starting lineup is?
1: <laughs> no.
0: No. No, I don't. Okay. Just making sure.
3: Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua di Joe Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com.
1: All right, this one from from keith g how is mac defending space in the pick and roll and is he a viable backup center for the stretch run rich you did the profile can can we solve our backup center problems by a 6'2 guy who can jump really high no okay shame i'm willing to give it a shot though if, if it's him mac or trez hey roll the dice I, this one so so
0: one oh, quick thing too about mac too um I, I do think like he's being portrayed as a little bit of like a charity case here. Uh, that dude is a really good G League player. Now I'm I'm not sure if he's going to stick. he got better
1: too. Like he's a better shooter now than he was a few years ago. He's worked on his playmaking and ball handling. He can run offense a little better. He's yeah. still six foot two and going to get destroyed in the NBA defensively. But like you know,
0: the height is like the huge yeah. problem for him moving forward. If he were like six four, and I know that is the case for a lot of guards. If they were six four or six five, they would be NBA like automatic NBA players. Anyway, my my point is I don't think it's that ridiculous. Like he was the rookie of the year last year. He put up huge numbers. Now he's on a good team and he's putting up like super efficient numbers. It's like, he he is one of the better players in the G league. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree. This one from Mike Doyle. What's the ideal playoff bracket for the Sixers? And do you think they'll have enough firepower to jump the bucks or even the Celtics? And the way I read that question by jumping the Bucks or Celtics, I assume he's talking in the regular season.
0: Yeah. Uh, the ideal playoff bracket is to just be the one seed and have those two be the two and three seed, right?
1: Yeah. Go up against Atlanta, Washington, Toronto, someone in there.
0: And then the sure. second round would be the Heat, the Knicks, the Nets. Yeah, I mean, that would be the ideal matchup. I mean, that would be basically your... 2021 playoff bracket. But now no Ben Simmons and we'll see what yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, but you uh, still
1: got Doc and Doc was a key part of that 2021. You've Doc, you have, Doc, you have some other
0: some other key figures. The uh I mean I think of the those other teams, I think Miami just because of the institutional knowledge, Jimmy Butler being an awesome playoff player in recent years, that's the scariest team to play against of those teams. Would you Agree with that? Yeah. Spo too? Yep. Uh, that said, like they have not been that good this year. And no. it's very similar to their, you know, they make the finals in the bubble that year after that. It's pretty similar to that year where everybody's like, yep. oh, they're going to make a run. They're going to make a run. They got smoked by Milwaukee in the first round. Their and offense last year is just not good. At,
1: now, I say that, and I know Jimmy Butler is going to go nuts in the playoffs. Their offense is tough to watch. And they just play like a ton of zone too, where I'm just like, I, I don't buy that. Well, a... you know that we don't buy teams that have to rely on zone too much. I don't and even against consistent against that, even when it's our the team we cover. Oh yeah. I mean you,
0: you guys should hear. The listeners should hear me when the Sixers <laughs> play zone. I'm disgusted. The other team scores and I yell, good. Okay? Good. <laughs> en- enough of this shit. The uh yeah. it does can confirm. I don't uh I don't really buy it. So if that's your second round matchup, like, look, that would still be the best team that the Sixers ever beat in a playoff series. If they were able to get by these Miami heat, look, they, they have not beat that many good teams. No.
1: Unfortunately. We, I mean, we just talked about Washington.
0: Uh, yeah. So as for like, let's say if they stay in the three previous
1: best team is probably Miami too, right?
0: The first round All the way back. Yeah. 2018.
1: Yeah.
0: Or the Raptors last year.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the Raptors last year were yeah, a little bit better. You're right. You're right.
0: Uh,
1: but again, if the
0: Raptors last year are the best team, like that was like Fred Van Vliet on one leg. <laughs> they, they were.
3: Yeah. They
0: couldn't shoot at all. Like that was not that good of a team. So they they need to to prove themselves. Let's say more realistically, they stay in that three bracket, that two three, which I look. I think it's going to be hard. I think they would have to play unbelievable basketball, and I especially think if they were to get the one seed. They basically got to win all the rest of their games against Boston and Milwaukee.
1: They, the, like, I think they have yeah, two each against both of them. They're three behind, and they have a really tough schedule. I would no. be surprised if they caught them. Now, the two against Boston are at
0: home, and yeah. I think that yeah. certainly helps them. They, they don't seem to do all that well playing in TD Garden, but uh, you, you got to have like three out of four of those games, and you got to have both Boston games. Um, those teams, especially Boston, Milwaukee has kind of recently... Right at the ship and started to have the profile of, you know, top 10 offense, top 10 defense, all of those things. Uh, so if, if you stay in the three bracket, though, to me, the more ideal one would be one of the New York teams in the first round. Take your pick. Nick, Knicks or Nets you should beat both of them. I know the Knicks. The Knicks I, I've enjoyed watching them. Jalen Brunson is, is pretty good. I think that would be a fun series. The Knicks would probably win one or two games. You should beat that team. And then play Milwaukee in the second round, because I think that's a better matchup for the Sixers, personally.
1: Yeah. It's tough because Middleton's been healthy and effective for so little of the season, and they're a much different team when he is. So if you can get back on track here for the playoffs, that might change. But I think I agree with you. All right, let's I, run through.
0: I, I think even so. Boston is such a bad matchup. They're
1: they're, they're a, a very complete team. They're very good. They're very, very good. Easier to travel to, so I'm kind of rooting for it, but very good. All right. Couple more here we will jump through real quickly. Who do the Sixers resign long term between shake McDaniels, and George?
0: It's weird to say, but I think McDaniels is probably the least proven player of those three, but he also is the guy who has the longest ups or like literally highest he's upside. also the longest guy. <laughs> and he has the highest upside. Yep. So I, I kind of think it might be him. Uh that said, like, you know, it's funny. When George came up, I I got some people mad on Twitter yesterday when the Kevin Love Sixers interest got got leaked by Woj. I think George is just an underrated player, is my point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm not sure he can hold up in the playoffs. He certainly falls into that Matisse one-way player bucket. I'm super worried about just people attacking him defensively and him fouling them (laughs) because he can't keep up with them, but he's an awesome fit with both of your two pole stars here. So, and, yeah. and has been awesome for a while and you need, you need play finishers with those two guys and he's awesome at that.
1: Yeah. I think, I think they probably try to bring all three of them back. I said yeah. before, I think last year was a year where you go out and use that full mid level this year. You probably say, forget it. We can't do that because we're going to resign our guys and, and wouldn't, it would struggle to be under that luxury tax apron threshold. So you don't want to be hard capped. So I think the plan is probably just to go out there and bring back your guys and keep your depth that way. In terms of most likely, you know, I think McDaniel's is probably because I think there's just the most two way intrigue with him. In terms of George, I think George is more valuable to the Sixers than he would be for most other teams because of how valuable he is next to Embiid and even next to Harden. Uh, Milton is probably the one where you look at and you go, he might be more valuable to other teams than he is the Sixers, so he's probably the biggest threat to leave.
0: He is, but uh, again, he's another guy where you know he's he's due a raise from what he's making. Yeah. What do you think for him? Like 6 million, yeah. 5 million, something yep. like that. I think that's fair. Something that's like mid-level ish
1: type yep. money. The mini mid-level.
0: Yep. He's definitely earned that. He's another guy where I, I look at Shake, and yeah, maybe a uh, kind of a rebuilding team, kind of a, a 2017 Sixers team might offer him that amount of money and also say, Hey, you can play a little bit more for us. You won't be the fourth guard here. That said, if the Sixers can bring shake back, I would be in the Shake Milton business. <laughs> like, I think he's a a perfectly good if he's your ninth or tenth man or whatever. I I think that's absolutely fine, and he he fits pretty well with these guys too. He can play on the ball, he can play off the ball, uh, he can play with Joel, play with James a little bit. I don't know. So so yeah, it's they're they're kind of in a good spot where I, I like their depth and and I think it's worth resigning all of those guys if you can. But he's probably last on that list.
1: How fun would Mac be on the 2014 Sixers?
0: Oh, it would have been amazing. Him and KJ, yeah. just trying to outdunk each yep. other.
1: Yep. Put him, put him in the uh, the Tony Roten role. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that.
0: Does it be a good think piece? Does Sam Hinkie get
1: fired if Mac McClung is dunking in those <laughs> games? <laughs> he might be better than Kendall Marshall. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, all right, De- this one from is. Legs, Leg Sanity. Are they too hung up on finding a capable backup center? That they are ignoring other areas such as perimeter defense. I think basically, should they have gone after Pat Bev?
0: I don't. I don't think Pat Bev is worth the perimeter defense upgrade. I think maybe twenty eighteen Pat Bev is probably worth it. But
1: no. You know, to be it, fair to Legs, he didn't specifically say Pat. No, Bev. no,
0: he didn't. No. no. Um, but I, I guess in terms of Pat Bev, I would say uh, I would quote the great philosopher Russell Westbrook in saying that. Pat Bev trick y'all and I, I don't I just think at this point Pat Bev's like one of my favorite NBA characters he's just a complete pain in the ass it seems like to even his teammates you know like he just rubs people the wrong way he uh he certainly is a great trash talker all of those things
1: who's a Sixers player that he locked up in G League was that MCW or is that before then I remember he locked just completely summer put, league you mean yeah like, both of them were making their debuts. When did Pat have come into the NBA?
0: That's around that time, right? 2013, 2014.
1: Yeah. I think uh, it might have been MC Dubs.
0: I, I think if there was a worthwhile perimeter defender to answer that question, though. Yeah, but hey, here's another one, too. Like, Danny Green? Perimeter defense? Eh. Yeah. Kind of. And I, I love Danny, but even last year, and by the way, he was like one of five Sixers who could hang in a playoff series, so you obviously would welcome him to at some degree. That said, James Harden made him look like he was like in cement last night, and that's somebody yeah. whose one-on-one defense had been declining pretty rapidly, even when he was with the Sixers, and then he comes off the injury as well. I don't know. I, I think it's hard to find a, a great perimeter defender that you can also play in the playoffs, uh, which is kind of why the Jalen McDaniels swing, it's kind of like what we talked about there, and they traded for him.
1: Last one here from Stefan. He became a Sixers fan in 2016. Is this the best team of his lifetime? It's it's this or 2019. Yeah, one, 2019 one two. was clearly a better defensive squad and a, a more versatile defensive squad. Hmm. The bench Do is I, better on this team, I would say. Yeah, Joel is better on this team.
0: Joel is better. Uh, the, the, point Jimmy, guard is, the point guard is better on this team. Yeah. And then Jimmy is way better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jimmy. You have a massive hole in the middle, and Jimmy was awesome. I, I think the the one difference between this team and that team is that the continuity is better here. Like yeah, they, they know what they're they're gonna know what they're doing. in the plus that team had no idea what they were doing. No, Brett was not like, at all. "All right, we're gonna try Bobon for four minutes here. We're gonna run late game pick and roll with Jimmy, yeah. even though Ben's gonna be pouting in the dunker spot. Like Jimmy, and we is, can't we
1: can't play Jimmy off ball because he spent three months refusing to shoot a jumper." <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting group that came together very quickly. I would have loved to have seen that team back for a, another run that was not in the cards.
0: I, um, the other issue with that was that Ennis and Scott played out of their minds in that playoff series. Yeah. And, and you should not be relying on Ennis and Scott that much. They they played a little bit over their heads, for sure. So, yeah, it's it's kind of weird. That was such a talented team. But also, I think when you, when you look back at kind of how they finished the season, man, they had some ugly losses where they were like not even yeah. close to trying. Uh, the the continuity. Yeah, you also had Joel with the the knee issue all year too. It was, uh,
1: and that's really what it is. Like this team, I I believe in Joel a lot more than I did back then. But that that team was a much better defense. This was so much better defense. Yeah. Spot.
0: So th- they could have an argument to be a better team. I I just think though, at the end of games and and offensively, there, there's a a pretty big difference here. That was that was like Jimmy Iso pick and roll, please get us over the the
1: hump. Yeah, yep. I agree. They have For as much as we talk about this team and fret about this team, they do have a chance. Like, I I think it's so easy to get caught in the, well, haven't done the playoffs, yada, 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 Doc, yada, yada, yada. They're a very talented team. I'm really interested to see what they do the next month. Really interested to see.
0: I agree. What, What I always tell people, what I've been saying for like the last month or so is that, look, I... Boston and Milwaukee, I'm going to pick them over the Sixers in a playoff series
1: because the Sixers haven't done it. And but even so, if it's a, let's say it's a 65 yeah. 35 Boston Edge, 35% chance things happen every day. Every and, day. And
0: that's the point I make. It's like, look,
1: weird stuff happens. Like somebody rolls an ankle
0: in a playoffs, one team shoots better for three for a series and they just get hot. Maybe there's some unknown advantage that the Sixers pick on and Bede goes crazy. They have a chance. Um, yeah. I will pick the other teams in a series, but would I be stunned if the Sixers got out against those teams? No,
3: I wouldn't. Yeah.
1: And there's so many instances where people write a narrative of, Oh, well, they've never done the playoffs. They've never done the playoffs. They've never done the playoffs over time. That changes like Dirk Can't win. You can't win with a big man shooting like that. Well, he eventually won a championship. He persevered eventually given enough chances that narrative can change. And look, have they come up small? Yeah. Like oh, yeah. we can we 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 can talk about that Atlanta series <laughs> until we're blue in the face. And I get if you're you're certainly skeptical about health, all that stuff, but put yourself in the right spot enough times. It's like you said, a thirty five percent chance just needs a couple things to go right, and then they're doing something you never thought possible. Shit can happen, man. Like they're they're a good team and they're just not as good as Boston and Milwaukee right now, I don't think. We'll see. I think they're the best two teams in the NBA, so if if you get by them, anything's possible. Yep, With a, a big asterisk unknown with the Phoenix Suns. All right. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.